0: When grief strikes, you might be tempted to turn from God and from his word. But Grace Brown challenges us to seek God's truth even in the midst of grief.
1: Trust in the basics. Truth is truth. God's truth will never change. God has a plan in all of this for his glory and our good, even if we often can't see it in the moment.
0: Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. It's episode number 148, and the title of today's episode is Dealing with Grief. And likely, every single woman listening today has dealt with grief in some way. Perhaps it's been the grief in the death of a loved one or dealing with a long-term illness. Perhaps it's the grief of a job loss, a wayward child, a broken marriage, the grief of something you hoped that has not happened. Grief is something we will all deal with at some point in our life. It can stop us in our tracks. We can struggle with depression or anger or bitterness in the midst of our grief. Or we can turn in our grief to Christ and his word. Let's listen today as Grace Brown shares from her own personal life how you and I can deal with grief and how we can find great victory and even joy in the midst of
1: our sorrow. So the title I was given for my talk was Dealing with Grief, but my personal title for it became When Band-Aids Don't Help. Imagine you're cooking dinner and accidentally cut your knife a bit as you're chopping veggies. It bleeds quite a bit, but unless the wound is really deep, a Band-Aid will likely help it heal within a week or so. Or your child falls off his bike like mine did and skins up his face, only to walk into the counter the next morning and get a cut on his head too. Wounds like this look nasty, but they still usually heal within a couple of weeks. Skin knees, a paper cut, a minor slip of a knife. These can be quite painful and inconvenient, but they usually heal and are soon forgotten. But then, there are the wounds that take a long time to heal, where using a band-aid would feel like a poor attempt at a joke. With deeper wounds, multiple layers of skin are injured and possibly muscle and bone as well. Wounds like this require larger dressings and bandages, and not just larger bandages, but bandages that will likely need to be removed periodically, so the wounds can be cleansed and new dressings applied. This can be extremely painful. There is a reason that people are often given pain medication prior to dressing changes. Healing might be desired, but the means to healing is a painful process that must be repeated many times over in order that true healing may occur. I used to be a nurse, so dressing changes were a frequent occurrence for me. But I think probably all of us can relate to this analogy, no matter what your occupation is. In God's word, Psalm 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. We all want the healing that the psalmist talks about. This verse is often used to give comfort in the context of grief, and rightly so. But it's easy to miss the fact that God, binding up our wounds, could be a painful process leading to healing. Sometimes it feels like those dressings binding up our wounds of grief are pulled off and the wound is painfully re-exposed before God's new bandages are applied and healing can continue. Let's look at some of the truths God uses as he binds up our wounds of grief and other trials. How does grief look to you? Does it seem empty, useless, without purpose? Seasons of grief come in many, many forms. Death, divorce, a wayward child, unanswered prayers, our own loss, grieving for others, physical illness and pain, infertility, an extended absence of a loved one, financial loss, grieving what could have been, grieving what is. The list is endless. 2020 and beyond has brought its own unique forms of grief for many unable to visit with family members, postponed or much smaller weddings, canceled vacations. It has affected all of us in some way. My dad passed away at the young age of 59, but the harder grief for me was his battle for many years with dementia. Years later, my husband and I grieved the loss of our little one through a miscarriage, but an even more challenging sorrow has been letting go of a foster daughter whom we loved as our own for two years. You might relate to one of my personal examples, or your grief may be due to very different reasons. The point is that your grief is going to look very different from mine, because our circumstances are different. I might not be able to relate to your exact circumstance, but God can, and he knows exactly what you are experiencing. In grief and trials, it is God's truth that will ultimately comfort and heal. Often in the moment, these truths seem surreal, and they feel like they can't penetrate our aching hearts. But God, in his faithfulness, does not leave us to grieve alone. In grief, we must turn to God, rejecting what is false, clinging to what is true, and allowing God to work in ways we may never understand. God's word tells us, surely he, who is Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I frequently wish I could remove the trials and burdens of those around me, and I can't. But the Bible says that Jesus has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Much of this Isaiah 53 passage refers to our sin and Christ's salvation. But this verse also specifically refers to our grief and our sorrow grief and sorrow that all people have known since Adam and Eve sin in the Garden of Eden. Grief and death are the result of falling to sin, but God, in his merciful plan of salvation, carries our grief and sorrows through Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, wrote Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.3. Through salvation in Jesus Christ, we can fully experience the comfort of our Heavenly Father, the God of all comfort. I will repeat what I said a moment ago. In grief, we must turn to God, rejecting what is false, clinging to what is true, and allowing God to work in ways we we may never understand. So how do we turn to God in our grief? There is much that threatens to pull us the opposite direction— We need to be on the alert for what is false and focus our attention on God's truth. Number one, rejecting what is false. I don't know your backgrounds, your stories, or what kinds of grief or hardship you have in your life. But in general, we women can be pretty influenced by our emotions. It can be extra easy for us to fall into lies and stray from truth when grief hits and emotions are extra strong. Grief is often overwhelming. We find ourselves unable to function, to think, to pray. This is an easy time for lies to take root. Let's go back to my earlier illustration of bandaging wounds. Often for a deeper wound, it's necessary to do a process along the way called debridement. Debridement removes all the yucky stuff from the wound. Dead tissue, infected tissue, bits of old dressing, It's not a fun process, but without debridement, a wound cannot continue to heal. An infection is likely to take hold. Sometimes we need spiritual debridement from Satan's lies that creep in so that God can continue to heal the wound and grief of our hearts. So what are some ways that Satan's lies can creep into our grief? Often they take root during times of questioning. Questions are not necessarily wrong in grief, but if we're not careful, they can lead us to lies. Questions such as, how could a loving God allow this to happen? Where is God in this? Why didn't God prevent it? We might reach the false conclusion, God doesn't love me, or God doesn't care. Just over a year ago, a dear friend passed away from cancer. The fast progression of the disease was a shock to many, because she had just been declared cancer-free a short time before. When I heard the news of Julie going home to be with the Lord, I was filled with joy, I had some sadness but primarily joy over her being with God and free from all suffering. I was excited for her to be with Jesus. This feeling lasted for a couple of days and I somewhat struggled to relate to the grief of others because I was so joyful that Julie was in heaven. There was no way in the world I would have changed anything. After a couple of days my focus shifted more to myself though and my own loss and I found myself fighting the doubts and lies of Satan. I missed my friend. I had to turn away from lies that made me doubt God's goodness and instead focus on God's truth and how his faithfulness was reflected in Julie's life. David often struggles in the Psalms. He is human. But as you read the Psalms, watch for how David is focused on truth. The truths of God consistently shift his focus from himself and his questioning or doubts back to a deeper trust in his God and our God. What is the difference between honest questioning and rejecting truth? One drives us to God, the other away from God. You might know the story of Job in the Bible. All of Job's 10 children died at once. His health was stripped away, his wealth was gone, and he was left nearly destitute with a wife whose advice to him was, curse God and die. Talk about grief. He was human in his response. He questions and wrestles with God. We see him struggle. But in those struggles, he turns to God. I can't imagine going through what Job went through and not sinning right and left. Yet Job does not turn his back on God and curse him as his wife advises him to do. Job does question God a lot, and we can plainly see him struggling. But at the end of the book of Job, we see the culmination of his questioning and seeking God. God uses his own questions to point Job back to God's greatness. Then Job answers God and says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job 42 verse 2. Job knew that God was in control, that God knew it all and controlled it all. And Job was comforted by this. As you question or struggle in your grief, don't turn away from God. Speak truth to yourself. Satan questioned and then outright lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He'll do the same to us. Reject the lies that Satan and Job's wife promoted and rely on God's truths. Grief shakes what we thought we knew and trusted. It shakes our faith. But the source of our faith and trust remains unshaken. The truths we once trusted are still true. God does not change. He will lead us into more truth we must reject the lies that Satan throws at us. To reiterate again, in grief, we must turn to God, rejecting what is false, clinging to what is true, and allowing God to work in ways we may never understand. I'm going to give you some glimpses into my journal today. Entries in my journal are rare and they aren't poetic or deep, but it helps capture a bit of what God has taught me through various times of grieving. This first one I share actually occurs a few months after others I will share today, but it fits with our discussion here, and I will share it now. This was written a month and a half after our foster daughter went to live with her biological family. My heart was still aching and struggling with missing her and with doubting her well-being in her new home. December 20, 2016. Many times over the past months, it has felt like God has lied, but he hasn't because he can't. His ways don't make any sense to me. I think I'm glad they don't have to. I trust best when I don't try to make sense of any of it and instead focus on God. Those verses God brought to mind in the past are still true, even when I don't see how. His word is the one true constant thing in this mess, even when it doesn't make sense. God gives joy, even when the pain of grief is so intense that there seems to be no room left for joy. God was teaching me to accept and dwell on truth and to reject Satan's lies. Reject what is false, cling to what is true, and allow God to work in ways you may never understand. Number two, clinging to what is true. How do we cling to what is true? How do we focus on truth? As I mentioned earlier, my dad passed away at the early age of 59. My dad and I do not have a close relationship, and to this day, it's easy for me to regret that. But living in regret causes me to lose sight of what God has taught me through his death, from his years of suffering with dementia, and from watching my mom be a faithful, caring wife to him through those years. Are there things I would change in my relationship with my dad if I could? For sure. Do I wish my children could know and love him as their grandpa? Yes. Yes. But when I rest and trust in God's plan for my dad's life and mine, I focus instead on the truth that God has been faithful, even through really hard times in my family. There will likely be similar areas in your grief that can easily draw you away from truths of what God has done or is doing. So what are some truths that we should accept when we are going through grief? The truth is pain and suffering and loss are real. Very, very real. The truth is God is always with us to comfort, even when no one else can. The truth is grief is often overwhelming. The truth is grief does not overwhelm God, and he will be faithful to us in our grief. The truth is our minds often struggle to function and grasp truth in the middle of grief. The truth is God's truth will still help us, even when it doesn't seem real. The truth is, we need God's truth, even when it doesn't seem to penetrate our aching hearts. And the truth is, Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. What specific truth can you cling to for this moment or this day if you are grieving? For me, it has often been one verse or even just part of a verse that I hang on to and return to again and again. Savannah was our foster daughter. She made us parents for the first time. She came home with us when she was three days old, and she left us when she was nearly two years old. Nothing can describe the emotional roller coaster of those two years. Whether she was going to leave or whether we would be able to adopt her was continually back and forth. We loved her as our own, knowing she might have to leave us one day. Still, nothing could prepare us for that time. During the months and days leading up to her leaving us, God faithfully kept bringing to mind one practical phrase, trust in the Lord and do good, Psalm 37:3. I often couldn't handle thinking ahead to what was going to happen next. I felt like I couldn't go on struggling with Savannah's difficult behaviors and emotions each day, not to mention my own emotions. But this verse was so often helpful. I needed to trust in the Lord and do good for that moment, that hour. That I could do. It was usually clear what doing good was in that moment, even if I couldn't grasp the future. Was feeding Savannah good? Yes. Was getting her dress good? Obviously. Was continuing to give her my love good? Yes. Even though it was so hard knowing I might lose her. We want to see the big picture and understand but God often just gives us strength and grace for this moment. Seek for a specific, practical truth like this that you can cling to in your grief. I just needed to continue to trust in the Lord and do good. What is a truth from God's word that you can cling to? You may have heard of Elizabeth Elliot. She was the wife of missionary Jim Elliot, who had always hoped to have the opportunity to witness to a tribe who did not know the gospel of Christ. Jim and four other missionaries went to the Aka territory, a fierce group whom no one had succeeded in meeting without being killed. After a friendly contact with three members of the tribe, Jim and his missionary companions were speared to death. Elizabeth, his wife, later went back to minister to this tribe herself for two years. She would later remarry, only to have her second husband die four years after they married. Elizabeth Elliott certainly knew grief firsthand but she is most remembered for her faith and her hope in God. She is often known for using the phrase, do the next thing. It reminds me of what God was teaching me through the verse, trust in the Lord and do good. I find the context of the phrase, do the next thing pertinent to grieving. The phrase comes from this old Saxon poem, do it immediately, do it with prayer, do it reliantly, casting all care, do it with reverence, tracing God's hand, who placed it before you with earnest command. State on omnipotence, which means all-powerful, safe beneath his wing. Leave all results to God. Do the next thing. So in your grief, do the next thing that God has put in your life to do, even if it's something small. Trust in the Lord and do good, even when it's really, really hard. Going back briefly to our earlier list of truths, our overall conference theme is purpose. The truth is God has an eternal purpose even in our grief. This might be the last thing we want to think about when grief is fresh, but it is still truth. As we do the next thing and as we continue to trust in the Lord and do good, God will take these little building blocks in our grief to build toward our eternal purpose to glorify God and become more and more like Christ. Remember Psalm 147.3 that we read earlier. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. As others watch you continue to seek after God while struggling through grief, they will be able to witness God's work as he binds up your wounds. God will be glorified in this, which leads us to my most vulnerable point. Number three allowing God to work in ways we may never understand. God is our Father who cares. We may never understand his ways, but he understands us completely. Grief comes in many forms, as we discussed earlier. Ones that I have talked about may or may not resonate with you. I haven't really touched much on physical suffering, but this is certainly an area of grief. I have battled a neck disorder for about 10 years, long before Savannah even came into our lives. No one knows what caused it, and no one knows how to cure it. It affects nearly everything I do. It's nothing compared to many people's physical suffering, but it has impacted my life and my family's lives greatly. Although I have grown more consistent at trusting God with this physical hardship, it can be a source of grief in my life. I would love to not be in pain and have constant tension, I would love for it not to limit my activity and endurance daily. And yet, God is faithful to continue to build my dependence on him through this. When I have a meltdown and don't feel like I can go on, I am driven back to the truth that God cares, that Jesus suffered as my example, and that God will be faithful to me in this trial. It is an ongoing lesson in my life to trust God and allow him to work in ways I don't understand. It is a reminder to keep going back to biblical truths that he faithfully used in my life during the hardest days of physical suffering. What does it look like to allow God to work in ways we may never understand? An often quoted verse in trials is Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It is true. It is of course true and often helpful But for me at least, it has often felt like someone trying to put a tiny band-aid on a huge waterfall. Romans 8.28 doesn't promise that we will see how all things work for our good, and I want to see it. I become impatient or weary when I don't see how God is working it for my good, or the good of those I love. But when I give give up on trying to see how God is working and just trust that he is, I am better able to focus on truth and see areas he is at work, even if I don't see the whole picture. I am better able to simply trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to go back a little further in my journal. For context, our foster daughter Savannah came to us in November of 2014 when she was three days old. When she was nine months old, our son Abraham was born. Over two years after Savannah came, I wrote this in my journal. November 8, 2016. God gave us three children to love. One he took from our arms a month and two days ago when Savannah, our foster daughter, went back to her biological mom. How joyful we were in the middle of this heartbreak the day after Savannah left to learn of another baby on the way. The news in no way lessened our grief. In some ways, it made me miss Savannah all the more. But God had blessed us with a new little one in my womb to love, even while continuing to grieve Savannah's absence. Fears crept in here and there. What if I didn't have a healthy pregnancy? What if something happened? But I pushed the fears away and trusted God. I didn't understand Savannah leaving. It didn't and doesn't make any sense to me. But I am trusting him, even as my heart continues to break because of her absence. The timing of this pregnancy was clear evidence that God was continuing to work. God would not give us such a joy at such a time as this, only to remove it. No, I had no reason to worry in this pregnancy. Our child was in God's loving hands. Our child is in God's loving hands. Exactly one month after God gave us the joyful news, the ultrasound showed no heartbeat. Our child had died. God had taken this joy from us. Looking back today, if someone had said, all things work together for good to those who love God, in that moment, I'm not sure how I would have responded. But I know it would not have been favorably. But even though I still don't understand, I do rejoice that we have a little one in heaven worshiping God. And we would not have our now three-year-old daughter if God had prevented that miscarriage. On November 10, 2016, I wrote... I can think of four times in our marriage of almost five years that I've seen my husband cry. Three of those have been almost within the past month. Ryan had tears as we left the courtroom and all hope of Savannah staying was gone. We had to say goodbye and walk away. Ryan had tears as we drove away from the ultrasound this past Monday, knowing our baby had died. God's answer to our hopes and prayers that morning was a no. My own pain was overwhelming in these circumstances. To have my husband hurting also seemed too much to bear. So much sadness, so much pain, so much loss. In Savannah's life and in ours, she is too young to understand the need to cling to God in this. My prayer for her has been from Psalm 28. Be her shepherd and carry her forever. That's literally all I can manage to pray at times. So that is another example of a truth that God might give you to cling to in the middle of grief. One more journal entry I'll share with you. November 16, 2016, less than two weeks after my miscarriage, I wrote, The pain seems unbearable. I felt empty, even though I still had an adorable, active one-year-old boy to love. I grieved for Savannah, our foster daughter, knowing she was likely struggling to adjust to her new circumstances, after living her first two years of life in our home. I grieved for myself. I grieved for what I had hoped for her future. I grieved for the little life we would never meet until heaven. But God, but God was faithful to me even then. A song that I didn't used to like in my childhood suddenly became one of my favorites. How firm a foundation. This verse in particular proved to be true in my life. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with you, your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. Much of trusting God through grief is allowing him to work in ways we may never understand. God taught me this more and more throughout these difficult days. Psalm 94.18 says, When I thought, my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. My feet often felt like they were slipping in those days. God's consolations, his comforts, are are and were what continue to bind up and heal the wounds of grief. John Piper writes this, When scripture says God heals the brokenhearted, it implies that God could, but does not always prevent, brokenheartedness. There are glories to be seen and savored in suffering and rescue, which we would never know if we were spared. This is a hard truth to live out, but as you grieve and allow God to work, you will eventually see evidence of his work, even if you never see the complete picture. Four years later, I still can't see the full picture of what God is doing. There continue to be many ups and downs along the way. We were getting to see Savannah almost every weekend a couple of years ago and even take her to church. And then COVID precautions hit, and we weren't able to see her nearly as often. I still don't know exactly how God will use us in Savannah's life, but even now, I have to trust in the Lord and do good, whether I'm able to see Savannah or just pray for her. Keep going back to the truths of God's Word in the middle of whatever the grief and trials you are experiencing— Allow God to work in ways you may not yet understand, in ways you may never understand, but trust that God is good in it all. To reiterate one more time, in grief we must turn to God by rejecting what is false, clinging to what is true, and allowing God to work in ways we may never understand. I want to close with a few practical thoughts. When God's Word doesn't seem to penetrate, or God's ways don't make sense to us, what should we do? Keep going, do the next thing. There might be one verse that God brings to mind. Keep going back to it, meditate on it and live by it. If you struggle to focus, read a few verses each day and pray that God allows the truth to sink in. Listen or read as much as you are able. Long sections might not sink in, but little nuggets might. Memorize God's word even when it doesn't seem real. Serve others in your grief and look outside yourself. Trust in the basics. Truth is truth. God's truth will never change. God has a plan in all of this for his glory and our good, even if we often can't see it in the moment. Trust in the Lord and do good. Read the Psalms and pray through them, even if it's just a few verses at a time. Return to truths God has taught you when grief returns or new difficulties arise. The truths of God's faithfulness in my life have certainly been helpful during the strange circumstances of 2020. If you're further along in the process of grieving, you might be able to testify to the fact that grief often hits unexpectedly. These times can also point you to the truths God has used in your life. Last year, my husband and I watched a movie about fostering. Once the tears began... I couldn't stop them, and I was sobbing for several minutes. The grief hung over me for the next day or two, but even in that, the Holy Spirit faithfully brought scripture to mind that God had comforted me with before. It ended up being a time to reflect on his faithfulness, even through the tears. We have a bird feeder suction cup to our window, which surprisingly draws many birds. I thought they would be too scared to come so close to our house. Those birds eating at the bird feeder have become like a memorial to me. As I received the call three and a half years ago, the savannah was going to be leaving our home. God brought this verse to mind as I watched the birds at the feeder through my tears while talking to the caseworker on the phone. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Matthew six twenty six. It was the reassurance I needed that Savannah and I were both of more value to our Heavenly Father than those birds that he cares for. It did not take away the pain of grief, but it was a reminder that God was always with us through it. The birds that come to our feeder now often remind me of that moment and of the fact that God is still at work now when I don't see how. Return to truths God has taught you in hard times these truths become memorials in our lives to keep us focused when times are rough. They give us opportunities to reflect on God's faithfulness. What is it that God wants you to take away from today, whether for yourself or someone you love? Are there lies you need to reject? What truth from God's word can you cling to? Where do you need to wait and allow God to work, even if you have no clue what he is doing? King David wrote in the Psalms, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Turn to God, seek his truth, and trust that he is at work even when your grief is so painful it feels like he cannot possibly be working for your good or the good of those you love are King David's words again, which have personally been helpful to me and were also a great help to my friend, Julie, as she persevered through her final days of cancer. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14
0: particularly love the verse from Matthew 6:26 that Grace shared. I'm so thankful that God in his gracious care for us puts verses like this in the Bible. Hey, let me read that for you again. Matthew 6:26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I don't know where you are today or what you're dealing with. You may be going through some really difficult challenges, maybe grief of some sort or discouragement or depression, but I just want you to know that God cares for you. He is very aware of your pain and your heart, and actually, he is walking alongside of it with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just wanna stop right now and pray for the women who are listening, who are struggling through grief in some sort of way, you know each and every woman listening and the grief that they're going through, and I pray that you would give them comfort, you would guide them through this, give them confidence in you, even in the midst of the challenges and the difficult days. And I thank you that you care for us, that you care for every woman listening, and you care for me, and I know that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week is a throwback week. I remember a big thing in social media a few years ago that was called Throwback Thursday. Everybody would post pictures of things from years ago on their Thursday uh, post because it was Throwback Thursday. Well, next week is going to be our Throwback Thursday on the podcast as we listen to a past talk from our mom to mom ministry from a few years ago. This talk is called Fruitful Protections, and it was given by Adrian McClavik. It's going to be a great one, so I hope you'll join us next week for that. And as always, our episodes drop each and every Thursday. Be sure you follow and like us at Women of the Word on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox, or really wherever you listen. When you subscribe, it helps us out, and it also helps you out because you get notifications of our episodes that drop each and every Thursday. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.